Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Download the My Maccas app and get in the game today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Hope you've had a good a day as you possibly can. However you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, it's wonderful to have you on board with the Macca's Run. However you're finding us, wherever you're finding us around the country on the SEN network, you can call... The Harcourt's open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say on the news of the day, your move, your Harcourts. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. For all things sport, speak to me. Uh, 0433981116 is the 40 weeks temper text. Consumer choice winner temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. This is the Macca's Run where we catch you up to speed on all the major news stories of the day in the world of sport. Uh, and you can have your say on the news of the day by calling 1300-736-736. A lot of trade news. Big story, the confirmation that Luke Jackson has requested in a, tra- a trade officially back to WA. We'll give you the update on that in just a moment. There's some more play- Players that have officially requested trades from their clubs. So we will update you on the, uh, well, the potential comings and goings after today's uh, requests. But the biggest story of the night uh, or the day at the moment, as we look ahead to the weekend's footy, um, Friday night, Geelong uh, and Brisbane. Jared Berry, who was the difference uh, in many people's eyes, along with a couple of others in the Lions uh, come from behind win over Melbourne last week. He was charged uh, by the MRO with unreasonable or unnecessary contact to the eye region, intentional conduct, low impact and high contact and was offered a week. Brisbane have taken that to the tribunal. That is being heard at the moment. The terms for the case have been laid out. Michael Whiting reporting on afl.com.au. Let's just go through uh, some of the response to the Jared Berry, Clayton Oliver incident and how people believe, uh, some of our experts believe that, uh, or how, what some of our experts believe the final decision should be as a result of it. This was Nathan Buckley speaking to Jared Waitley today. It's a situation that you do find yourself in from time to time uh, and you've got a choice and, and, I, and I'm not sure whether Jared Berry can argue against the choice that he made to, to put his hand in his face. Yeah, so you think he reached for the face? Yeah, you know, Jared was, if I was went to his psyche, I think you sort of, you'd never want to be dominated by an opposition. So sometimes you, you cross the line to, to straighten that up and, and I think this may have been a circumstance like that. I, I mean, I think it's it would be tragic for the young fella to miss uh, but I, as I said I don't know how the AFL or the tribunal itself can can argue against its own rules or to can mitigate against its own rules I think the, the court of public opinion would like to see him um, let off uh, I think there's enough 
grey area there um, in the contest and, and Oliver was not injured. Um, you know, if we're, we're talking about outcome, there was no injury as such and, and outcomes become a big part of uh, penalties. But, um, yeah, I, that will, I'll be a, an interested onlooker tonight. Nathan Buckley with Jared Waitley this morning, SEN.com.au to hear that full chat. Kane Corns on footy classified last night. His view? Well, he's in a bit of trouble because he got the week. I think there's a case to be made that Clayton Oliver's 100 kilograms and he's got his forearm in his throat and he's doing everything he can to get him off. I don't think there's any intent to eye gouge there. And I actually think Clayton Oliver did him a real disservice by dobbing him in as as aggressively as he did to the umpire. We might take a look at that vision now where, where Clayton Oliver's upset and you can understand it, but to repeatedly go and say to the umpire, he eye gouged me, he was fine. There was no damage to the eye. So I actually thought as a result of Clayton Oliver doing that, they had to suspend Jared Berry and I do hope he gets off. I bet he gets off. Kane Corns and then Caro at the end from Footy Classified last night. So the terms of the case have been let out, and I'm going to read this from Michael Whiting, who's doing a brilliant job in, in setting this out uh, on the AFL website. Brisbane are going to argue that Jared Berry was in a vulnerable position due to the force being applied to his throat by Clayton Oliver, and he acted in self-defence. The tribunal chair, Jeff Gleeson, read a submission from Dr Damien Amato, saying the force from Oliver's forearm meant the compression to his airway left him vulnerable to hypoxia. The Lions are not saying what Oliver did was illegal, improper or unsportsmanlike. They've made that point very clear. This is not a con- condemnation of Oliver. This is just a defence of Jared Berry. Now, hypoxia, because I had to look this up myself, is a state in which oxygen is not available in sufficient amounts at the tissue level to maintain adequate homeostasis. Homeostasis, for those, and I had to look this one up as well, as currently defined is a self-regulating process by which biological systems maintain stability while adjusting to changing external conditions. Uh, So there we go. There's our definitions. Um, And as this case has unfolded, which is being heard live uh, at the tribunal right now, um, Brisbane uh, and Michael Whiting reporting, there's been some debate over whether Brisbane's case will be calling Oliver's conduct into question. Um, In other words, should he have been notified earlier and be able to defend himself? Uh, The Lions have confirmed they have no problems with what Oliver did and that placing his forearm on Berry was not intentional. Now uh, they get into the nitty-gritty of that. Um, So Berry is arguing his conduct was neither intentional nor careless. So he's saying any contact with Clayton Oliver's eye region was accidental while he was failing to get Oliver off him during the wrestle. So Brisbane's counsel is Adrian Anderson, um, who used to run these, uh, went on to say if the tribunal was against it on intention, they would submit there were exceptional and compelling circumstances in this case as to why the normal penalty of one week should apply. He says Berry was in a vulnerable vulnerable position, attempting to release himself from that vulnerable position with the forearm across his neck. Melbourne's counsel says the Demons Medical Report confirms there was no immediate or ongoing treatment required following the incident for Oliver. Luke Hodge is appearing as a character witness for uh, Jared Berry uh, and has said that he had no doubt Berry was a fair player and it wasn't in his nature to play dirty. He's not someone who goes out there to niggle and grapple. Fair or dirty, they're not words that would cross my mind. Um, Definitely a person that wouldn't intentionally do what he has been charged with. Um, Jared Berry's account of the incident has, uh, according to Michael Whiting's uh, reporting of it, I tackled Clayton. He then turned and instigated a wrestle. His forearm was in contact with my throat. 
Then I was in the mindset to get him off me as I felt like I was under threat. At that time, I felt like it, the pressure on the neck, was increasing. My intentions were to get him off me by pushing him or grabbing his jumper and pulling him off me, but I was in quite a vulnerable position. Um, the question was asked, were you looking after? Him? Were you looking at him? No, was the answer. I firmly believe that in the circumstances, I did not intentionally make contact with Clayton's face. I truly believe that. I was just trying to get him off me. Um so the AFL counsel, Nick Payne, then went about grilling uh, Barry, asking him if, if he was concerned he might lose consciousness. Barry said, I was under threat, yes. If I laid there without a reaction, I was concerned I might lose consciousness. Um, they showed vision in slow motion and stopped at various points. Payne asked Barry whether he can see Oliver's face as his hand moves towards it. He said, at that point, I didn't have vision of where my hand was. I was trying to grab Clayton's jumper and unfortunately grabbed his eye region. I remember not having my eyes on Oliver at all and was just trying to get him off. Um, Nick Payne then submits that Barry... Barry's hand acts in a raking motion with his middle finger and little finger bent in that manner. Um, Barry said, I'd describe it more as a flailing action. My legs are doing uh, something similar. Um, on the Fox reporting of this, David Zeta is saying that he actually, um, Jerry Barry actually points that the one of those fingers is actually dislocated and pointing in a, in a strange direction. Um, so that's the update that we've got uh, at the moment. 0433 on the uh, 40 Winks temper text, uh, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say. Hopefully common sense prevails. As I've said a couple of times, I just don't understand how you look at that and look at the circumstances around that and say that Jared Berry intentionally went about trying to rake the eyes or, or eye gouge Clayton Oliver. Despite Clayton Oliver's protestations, uh, I just cannot fathom how you look at that and think in those circumstances that that was his intention and that he set out to achieve that outcome. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 So hopefully um, that charge is downgraded. And interestingly that Brisbane are so adamant about this that they're not even conceding... Um, they're not even conceding uh, the, the second level um, of this. So they're saying that not only was it not intentional... Um, What's the word? I'm just having to scroll back through. Not only was it not intentional, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're saying it was accidental. So anyway, I've, I'm, the thing keeps uh, updating and scrolling. Down. Uh, careless. was neither intentional nor careless. So they're not even conceding careless. They're saying that this was accidental and that's the only grading that it should have been uh, given. So to have you say on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. So probably the most speculated uh, trade um, that has been on everybody's lips and the most uh, talked about potential move in the off-season for the whole season has been whether Luke Jackson will head home the WA, whether he uh, would accept the deal to stay uh, at Melbourne or whether he would accept a big-money deal that is believed to have been offered to him by Fremantle and look to get a trade back to um, his hometown in Perth. Well, the confirmation came through today that Luke Jackson had requested a trade um, back to WA. Uh, Kane Corn spoke about Luke Jackson last night uh, on Footy Classified. 
Really poor, and he'd be quite embarrassed by some of those physical efforts. He's in the position to mark the footy and didn't go. You get found out in finals. For a player that hasn't done a whole lot, we speak about him a whole lot. And, you know, he plays one good game every 12, I reckon, Luke Jackson. So if he goes, I actually don't think it's the worst thing for Melbourne because what you're going to get back is two first-round draft picks for him, so you sure up your future. You get Brody Grundy in with Collingwood playing a large chunk of his wage, and he's a much better player than Luke Jackson is. Kane Corns on Luke Jackson, Gary Lyon uh, responding uh, this morning on SEN Breakfast. When Kane, the Corns, says he hasn't done a whole lot, he he ripped the grand final to shreds. Last year he did, yeah. yeah. He had a great final. So season. that is a whole lot. Um, and this year hasn't been Good a great point. year for him, but um, young Ruckman take time. What he did last year I thought was unbelievable in that grand final and um, this year he hasn't, hasn't absolutely exploded but um, he's still going to be a very good player. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to lose him but if you do then you just if he's going back to Perth then if he was going to another club yep. in Melbourne I'd be absolutely filthy but if he's going back, he's going back and you make the most of, then you play you know, hard ball, yep. try and get the best deal you possibly can, That's I agree with Kane, then you move on and, and, and try and replace so Melbourne have released a statement off the back of that uh, that Luke Jackson has today informed the Melbourne Footy Club his desire to return home to Western Australia. Melbourne will now work with West Coast and Fremantle to secure a suitable trade. So the list manager, Tim Lamb, says, although the club's disappointed, they respect his decision. There's no doubt that we wanted Luke to remain at the D's, uh, but we respect his decision to want to return to Western Australia to be closer to his family and friends. We will now work to secure a, club that compens- uh, work to secure a deal that compensates the club accordingly. When you just have a look at the draft hand, Frio don't have a great one. They've got pick 13. Their next pick is 72 and 85. So it would probably take uh, their future first rounder for next year. Uh, and given how they played this year, well, that's probably not going to be at the pointy end of the first round as if they improve as we expect they would next year. West Coast have got pick 2, pick 20 and pick 26 in this year's draft. And with Nick Natanui drawing to the end of his career, they certainly do need a number one Ruckman, whereas Fremantle have Sam Darcy, they've got Lloyd Meek, who may be on the way out if Luke Jackson comes in. So whilst Fremantle may have offered him a seven-year deal at reportedly anywhere from eight hundred dollars to $900,000 a year, Jerry Waitley believes that's a bit of step-skipping in terms of your contract progression through your career. Second year in, I tend to agree with Gary, though, that you judge someone on what their best is, and if his best is being one of the most influential players on the field in a grand final, then that's got a value to it. But for Melbourne, they need to get their best deal possible. So you want to go home? All well and good. We will get the best deal for us to facilitate you going home. It may not be your destination of choice, but we'll get you home. Uh, and that's what they need to do to protect their best interests as well, given they took him at pick three a couple of drafts ago, just his second year of footy this year. So at the moment, West Coast have got the better hand. They've got more to offer in terms of draft picks um, than Fremantle do. So th- this has got a little bit to play out. Players tend to get to where they want to go, but there's a fair bit to play out. By the way, Junior Rioli um, confirmed today that uh, he has requested um, a trade to Port Adelaide from the West Coast Eagles. Um uh, sorry, from the West Coast Eagles to Port Adelaide. Uh, the West Coast have released a statement uh, this afternoon saying they are bitterly disappointed. Uh, they said we could have not have done any more to support Junior since his infraction in 2019. Trevor Nisbet said we, we facilitated his appeal and subsequent return to footy, so this decision is bitterly disappointing. We will put that disappointment to one side and now work to arrange a suitable trade for a player who is a high-end talent, is a premiership player and is in the prime of his career, having played just 51 games of senior footy. Junior has made his decision, and while he has indicated Port is his preferred destination, we will work to get the best outcome for our club. 
Uh, so that, uh, a couple of big trade stories uh, doing the rounds today. Hey, when we come back, we'll head into Clubland. John Longmire's had a press conference today. A couple of the other clubs as well. We'll update you on where things are at with Jared Berry. And we'll be joined by a very special guest, Isaac Smith from the Geelong Footy Club. He's uh, an ambassador for the charity Polished Man. We'll hear about that and about the build-up to the Cats' big prelim against the Lions this Friday night, which you'll hear right here on SEN. <laughs> The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Download the My Maccas app and get in the game today. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we had a, a, a you know a tough training session on Saturday, so we trained last week, last Thursday. We had a, a really good workout on, on Saturday, a, a tough session in, in pretty warm conditions. So, you know, that was good to be able to have that under our belt. It's always the balancing act between, you know, making sure that your players don't get injured versus a really tough session. So, you know, we... We wanted to have a good session, and so uh, that's what we did on Saturday. Um, the players really had a good blowout, uh, pulled up well from it. So um, that's all we can do is is to prepare as best you can, and and we felt like you know, the weekend session was an important one for us. Okay, that that happens. It happens even to the best, and um, you know that was a couple of weeks ago. Now he, he's put that behind him. He knows he'll have a. A wonderful opponent again this week, so it doesn't get any easier. But that's what this time of the year is about. You're going to be playing against the best teams, the best players. Um, you know, he's a competitor. He prepares himself very well, and he'll do it again this week. As we head into Clubland on the Maccas run, a score a one in four chance to win with a monopoly game at Maccas. Sydney coach John Longmire, how they handled the one game. Uh, in three weeks scenario, and also on Buddy Franklin having a quiet uh, qualifying final, and how he expects him uh, to respond doesn't seem too phased at all. And I don't think Bud has uh, too many times in his career gone back to back quiet ones, which does not bode well for the Pies. Uh, speaking of the Pies, Jeremy Howe had a presser today, just spoke about the SCG field dimensions. Yeah, it was a good thing that we probably only played there. I think it was about three or four weeks ago. Um, it was probably one of our. You know, our performance probably dropped away from where we were at um, before that. As you probably would notice, that we'd obviously reshape the, the ground to match the dimensions of the SCG. And, yeah, just the way that we probably play will be a little bit different as to what we did last time, so a few key learnings out of the last game. It's, as much as it doesn't look like there's much of a difference, probably on the far side is where we've kind of brought it in a little bit. But, yeah, we just kind of did it as to just try and get a bit of a feel. But um, you probably have to ask the Fords. They're the ones who probably run towards the boundary line a bit more. Jeremy Howe and the reason that they uh, put out an SCG-shaped field uh, to try and train on was uh, Craig McRae speaking on AFL 360 last night explained why they decided to do that at training this time around. I just thought I'd coach really poorly. I, I believe in setting the players up for certain things and to hopefully make them successful in what we're doing and I felt that I failed in that so I, I told the players today that you know um, we would be better prepared for things like the shape of the ground you know so that we can train on and be prepared for that and yeah those little details I think uh, lessons learned along the way. Uh, so that was Craig McRae, just when he thought you couldn't love him uh, anymore, to put up your hand and say no nah, I, I didn't do I didn't service our team well enough the first time around uh, I'm going to make sure that I don't make the same mistake twice. They went down to 20, by 27 points in round 22 at the SCG. Uh, it was pretty comprehensive, 11-11 to 7-8 uh, in the end. So will that make a difference? We'll find out Saturday Twilight. You'll hear it right here on SEN and on the SEN app. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the Harcourt's open line. Your move, your Harcourt's. Julian in St. Leonard's. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. How's things? Good, buddy. What have you got for me? 
I was just thinking about the Luke Jack- whole Luke Jackson fiasco that's going on, and I was just thinking about, you know, if he goes to Frio, they're going to be paying him and Sean Darcy a lot of money, and then if he goes to West Coast, assuming Nick Nats in the twilight of his career, they'll have him. But then what's happened to Oscar Allen? I thought he was the next, you know, generational ruck forward player that, you know, was, you know, what Luke Jackson is now. You know, do they want two of them? Like, what? Yeah, I think different like, where, players. Can you afford different, to pay a Different players, I reckon, so Julian. So Oscar Allen's going to be um, their next generation key forward. So Jack Kennedy, uh, Josh Kennedy, sorry, um, uh, retires. Uh, so Darling's still there. So I think that Allen is, is obviously going to be the number two next year. But he's had injuries that he's battled uh, this year. They've got uh, Bailey J. Williams uh, as well, who does a bit of forward ruck stuff. Uh, but Nick Nat's getting towards the end, and he's certainly not on the big dollars that he was when he got that, um, it was around a million-dollar contract uh, a few years ago. He's not on the same amount of coin yeah. now as, as he was then. So, and it, what, a, what, a, you know, what an apprenticeship for Luke Jackson to, to start your career with Max Gorn, probably the, the, the best ruck of his generation um, as a complete ruck, and then probably the best tap ruck um, is Nick Natanui. So you're not going to get any better tutelage than that, are you? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, one more thing I want to ask you, just about the Cats, because we're, I'm a Cats fan, and we're in a bit of a struggle right now with Parfit and selection and where he fits in. And with Colin Jasney set to be fit, and O'Connor pretty much needed against Neil, who goes out? Do you like, have any idea? Like, what's, what position is, like, what's the least valuable asset that they're willing to drop in order to get O'Connor to play? Oh, question without notice, and it's a good question too. Um, you're always blessed at the selection table when you've got quandaries like this to make. And do you change yeah. a winning team um, if you don't have to? If you've got some injury concerns, then, yep, you've got to make some changes. But um, I'd have to go and have a look at the side that they put out there, which I don't have up in front of me. Uh, as we're just about to head into an ad break that I can't move either, Julian. Apologies. I'm going to have to put some thought into it. <laughs> all right, that's all right. And, I'll, and I'm going to get back to you. Can you give me? Can you just let me have a think about it so I don't uh, do a throwaway line that uh, that has me yeah, getting yeah. abused on the text? Awesome, <laughs> Good on you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Julian. It's a great question. It is a great so question great. and one that Chris got in the selection committee, I'm sure, are uh, going to be pouring over uh, in the days leading up to that preliminary final on Friday night against the Brisbane Lions. So just checking in on the live blog of the Tribunal case, um, Dr Damien Amato, neurologist from Brisbane's Princess Alexandra Hospital, he said the danger is obstruction of his airway and reducing oxygen supply to the brain. Um, He was protecting himself. Hey, when we come back, Isaac Smith. Speaking of the cats, will be our special guest. The Monopoly game at Macca's is back. Download the My Macca's app and get in the game today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. So things still going at uh, Jared Berry's hearing at the tribunal. Um, 
Nick Payne saying the speed in which the contact happened here is very different to Rory Sloan's as they're using Rory Sloan as an example. Sloan has limited view of the face while Barry has, Barry has full view of Oliver's face. So uh, Payne just completely dismissing out of hand Jared Barry saying that he couldn't see uh, Clayton Oliver's face. Uh, Payne says Oliver's on top of Barry, but this doesn't excuse the action which was unreasonable and unnecessary. The vision provides enough evidence to disregard Barry's evidence that he was unaware of Oliver's eyes. So uh, calling Jared Barry a liar uh, there, which it seems to be a bit of a habit forming now, uh, the way that um, the prosecutors or the, uh, the, the, the whatever we're calling them, the officials on both sides um, seem to be really dismissive and uh, almost disrespectful uh, of the players now. We've got to do something about that. Um, and also saying that give no weight to Luke Hodge's testimony either um, from uh, from Payne there, who's acting on behalf of the AFL. So we will keep you uh, up to speed on that. In the moment we've got a, a, a ruling in uh, the Jared Berry case, you will know uh, ASAP. Big semi-final uh, this week, uh, big preliminary finals this weekend. Couldn't have asked for a better stage to be set uh, ahead of this week's finals. Preliminary final is always the fans' finals week, and oftentimes the best finals that we see in a final series are the prelims. Uh, Isaac Smith, uh, who's um, to be commended on becoming an ambassador for the Polished Man, uh, which we'll speak about in just a moment, but looking to raise money and uh, create awareness for um, and put a stop to violence against women uh, and children. They've got a campaign coming up in October. Um, but Isaac Smith has been good enough to jump on with us to have a chat about uh, all things preliminary final footy. Hey, go, mate. Good I'm, to be on here. Well, uh, it's good to have you. Um, the week off, how have you found it? How do you manage it? How did the club uh, work you guys through it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's actually quite fascinating. It'll be interesting to do some science around it now that we have the pre-finals by and then uh, how it necessarily uh, hampers you or uh, puts you in a stronger position. Uh, I'm not sure uh, which way it falls, but uh, certainly since that pre-finals by has come in, it feels like the finals have been an opportunity for all eight teams uh, to compete or succeed throughout September. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't minded being an, an older player. What, what's your gut tell you? That, what, what's, uh, your, what's your gut tell you with that, Isaac? Do you, do you feel like it's oh, when you guys are going to... Yeah, because you, you guys are going to have... Um, it's going to be essentially one game in a four-week block and then the, the, the second will be at the end of a four-week block. So you personally, as you said, an older player, but overall, you know, the, the statistics on wh- where it can break down for the, for the teams that do finish top four ha- have changed significantly. D- does your gut tell you that it might be a hindrance rather than a help for some teams? Oh, it certainly can be. And I think it's how you manage, you manage the, the two weeks. And I think, Leading into the first final, I'm not sure we handled it uh, exactly the way we would have liked, but I think this time around, having another week off, we've probably handled it a lot better. And uh, you can certainly overtrain in September, uh, my philosophy is, but you can never really undertrain. So um, just getting the balance right and being fresh for game day and, and being in a position to perform. But I, what we learned from the Collingwood game is that. Um, we didn't get certain things going and um, if we get them going uh, it'll be a good thing for us but I guess the beauty of prelim finals is uh, for the four teams competing it actually doesn't matter and it's completely irrelevant what's happened uh, for the previous 23 rounds and two finals before that it's uh, loser goes home and winner goes through Are you a footy nuffy? Are you glued to the other games? Were you there siren to siren to watch 
how Brisbane went about it uh, against Melbourne? And do you look to try and find things to take out of that, or do you just wait to do the video sessions in the build-up with the team? Oh, no, we pay enough coaches to pull games apart. I'm <laughs> someone, if I'm watching the game, I'd just like to sit back and enjoy it uh, like like everyone else. I think um, 15 years or whatever I've been in the system, uh, you obviously probably look at the game a little bit differently and you might understand different things because you pull it apart for hours a week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just enjoy, to be honest, I, I think the beauty of our game is the entertainment and uh, the way we do September's Awesome, and uh, if you're a fan this September, I'm not sure there's been too many better ones. Well, I, that, you lead me brilliantly into my next question. What, what have you made of this season, the standard of footy? Many believe that it's been the best this century and maybe up there with an all-time great season. The finals have gone to another level even above that. I, I've, all, I've felt this year that there's been a pretty seismic shift in the way that the game has played. It's been coming with a few teams, but I think now just about everybody has signed up for the entertainment era, which is what I've been calling it. Uh, do you sort of feel that being in amongst it, that attack is back in vogue? You know, the two top defensive teams are actually out of the finals now. You guys are a top four defensive side and so too is Sydney, but you're also top four in attack and, and so are two out of the other three teams remaining. Have you felt that this year, that, that, that yeah, this we're moving into a different phase of oh, footing? Yeah, definitely. Uh I've even talked a little bit around uh, just through players that Richmond obviously brought a different style of footy that uh, trumped the competition there for a good four or five seasons. But it took a little while for the other teams to get on board and work out, uh, do you beat them by trying to do something different or do you fight fire with fire or do you need to um, fight fire with fire and then throw a bit of unleaded on top as well? So... Uh, I think what we're seeing now is there's a fair bit of fuel on the fire and teams are being ultra-aggressive in uh, how they set up and how they want to move the ball. For example, Collingwood are extremely good defensively, but when they want to light it up and move the ball, they can get it going as good as anyone in the competition. So, uh, yeah, I think the changes that were made at AFL House uh, influence what's happened. Obviously... You've got the new stand rule, uh, which allows moving the ball a little bit easier. The 666 rule at centre bounce, and also cutting a heap of money out of the soft cap, which um, it's got its positives and negatives. But the one thing it has done is it's probably limited the amount of coaches you can have in your football department. Therefore, you don't have the ability to absolutely pick games apart. I feel like you guys, Geelong... By the way, speaking of Isaac Smith uh, on the, the Maccas run, Isaac, I feel like Geelong, you guys actually epitomise, really, that we are in that era now. I feel like, and, and this is not a, a diss, as the kids like to say. I don't even know if the kids do say that. Um, it, it, it's not a criticism. I don't think anyone says that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point, and, and, and lesson learnt from me to just never try and be cool again. Um it, it, it feels like you guys might have been one of the last teams to fully step into that, and but, boy, haven't you stepped into it just magnificently. What's that been like and how's it been implemented from last year to this year where the, the phrase defending with the ball seems to be a thing of the past? Um, and as you spoke about, we're in, in, into the future of what uh, or the current you know, status of where the game is now. How did you guys as a club go about implementing you know, the, the the big leap forward in the way that you guys have played from last year to this year. How does that happen? Uh, yeah, I think 
how, what happened to us last year in the finals probably highlighted that we needed to change some things. And Scotty, with his uh, new coaching group, have been excellent at identifying what we need to do. And then pretty much from the first day of pre-season, we've implemented it and um, we've just tried to improve it every time we go out and train and play. So uh, that in itself uh, has been huge for us. But I think the other thing you can never forget is you need to have the cattle to be able to implement certain Mm. game plans and be successful. And um, we're fortunate that we've got a very talented side as well. You've won three premierships yourself. Do they... And hindsight's a wonderful thing. But do they have a feel about them in the build-up? Did you get a sense at the time that you're on the verge of what you're able to achieve? And then I suppose the follow-up question to that is, have you got a bit of that feeling without getting ahead of yourself? But do you feel like the way that you may have felt back when you did it with the Hawks three times in a row? Uh, Yeah, you certainly do uh, get a bit of a sense. You can never be uh, 100% confident because... There's always an opposition you've got to go up against. But um, we certainly do have a feeling that we're confident in our game style. Uh, we're confident in the individuals we've got. And we're confident that if we can get our game up and going, that we're going to be very hard to beat. In saying that, Brisbane's second half against Melbourne on the weekend was one of the best second half, uh, best halves of uh, football I've seen for the year. So if they come out and play like that, it's going to be very difficult for us to get it done on Friday night as well. But... Uh, Ultimately, as a professional athlete and um, certainly as an individual, you go out with confidence and you expect to win. So, speaking of Brisbane, have you looked at the area of their game that you think represents the most significant and clear and present danger to to you guys in what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, we have. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but... Just whisper it. Just whisper it. it. I promise Uh, our audience won't tell anyone. I'll let you know on Saturday. Oh, okay. I'll look out for that. If you win, are you just going to text me and say, "Yeah, that was it. That was that we did. We just did it." Did you see? Well, you might be able to pick it up if we win. All right, uh, you might be able to pick it up. But if uh, if Brisbane win, um, I'm sure you'll have a bit of advice for me. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to we'll put a pin in that and uh, just reconvene uh, after the game. Hey, I wanted to ask you about something um, that, that I've been curious about during uh, from last week. Um, without going into the incident itself, which is not what I'm interested in, when I heard Paddy Dangerfield make the, the comment and the advice that he had for, for Jack Ginevan last week about the welfare of players, thinking about what you do before you do it, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious because he's got his position as the head of the AFLPA. Is that advice and is that a conversation that he's actually had with you guys as a playing group and something that he's really keen to push uh, with the rest of the, the, the playing fraternity in, a, in a regards about how you guys not only look after your teammates but also look after your opposition as well? Because there are players at every club that play at, to a physical edge um, and like to have a, a physical presence against their opposition within games, and sometimes that crosses lines, sometimes that leaps over lines, and sometimes that edges close to the line. Every team's got those players. Is that a message that Paddy's been really keen to push in, in a broader sense? This is, uh, I, and I'm, I'm going to be honest here, and you're not going to believe me, but I have no idea what Pat said on the incident or <laughs> um, what he said around it, to be honest. Uh, so I can't really comment... Uh, the only thing I can really comment on is 
uh, it's a game of football, um, and there's a hell of a lot on the line. And uh, I played in uh, a team that played right on that line for mm. a good ten years. So uh, yeah, it's it's ruthless out there, and um, sometimes people will cross over the line, and um, you cop your whack for that, but. Um, yeah, it's a big boys game, I guess, and um, that's why we all love playing it. I'm going to leave you to have to justify uh, to, to Paddy why you're not listening to every single one of his press conferences <laughs> and, and media appearances. Um, I'll let you and him uh, uh, sort that I, out. I certainly won't be justifying myself to him. <laughs> 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 hey, Isaac, we've got you on as well and, and really do appreciate you coming on because you're an ambassador for uh, an incredibly important cause and a worthy cause. And, and and you being on here today, we get to learn more about Polished Man and, and what Polished Man is all about and the campaign that they're on to end violence against women and children. Um, what can you tell us for those who aren't aware of what Polished Man is and, and what they do in lightness? Yeah, um, yeah, well... Um it's a campaign that, uh, as you just mentioned, it's to highlight uh, violence against women and children. And uh, too often it's still happening uh, in the community. And uh, more often than not, it happens behind closed doors. So uh, it's not seen or nor is it heard. So uh, the team down at Wygap and Polish Man are doing an awesome job uh, at making people aware and understand what happens and uh, what to look for and also to try and put things in place to make sure it doesn't happen. So to me, it's a very worthy cause. I've obviously uh, got a daughter and a wife and three sisters and a mother. So, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's something that, um, to me, uh, it shouldn't happen. And uh, by having this campaign and raising awareness, hopefully ever so slightly we keep minimising it. So, uh, and, and the stats, uh, as always, are alarming. One in two children experience violence each year. One in three women will experience violence in their lifetime. So when is the Polish Man campaign kicking off? And, and what are you guys asking uh, us all to do? Yeah, well, it's the start of October. And just jump on polishman.com and uh, you can uh, log in, register, um, donate some money uh, if you've got any spare at the moment. And um, that'll all help the great cause that it is. Uh, and if you're looking to raise the awareness, paint one nail blue. It'll spark the much-needed conversations and raise awareness and funds to end violence against women and children. And that's at polishedman.com. Uh, Isaac, if you're able to, where does the, the funds go and, and, and where does the money get spent? Well, I got distributed and make sure that it's going into the right places and not just into someone's pocket. So you can be very confident that it's really making a difference out there. Beautifully done, mate. Well under you for being a part of um, a really important cause um, before we let you go, if you are to get through against Brisbane, um, who do you think you'll be facing on the biggest stage? Uh, absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what the finals are very funny because the teams that win the first final, uh, they're raging hot favourites to win the premiership in the top four. And then the teams that uh, don't necessarily win their first final or they do and then they go through the second week and win and they're raging favourites for the uh, prelims. So uh, it's whatever's uh, more fresh in people's minds. So I've got absolutely no idea who will win it. Sydney deserve to be favourites but Collingwood are playing very well. Nicely answered, mate. Don't give any ammunition. Don't give any ammunition to either, just in case. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's great catching up with you. Um, we always get a great response whenever you're on the station. Um, I reckon that's just the good country upbringing, mate. So thanks for being on and, uh, and thanks for having a yarn to us. No, thank you. Thanks for having me.
He's a ripper, isn't he? Isaac Smith. Uh, you'll see him in action Friday night when Geelong take on Brisbane. You'll hear it all on SEN, the best call team in the business. Just some of the texts coming through. Izzy, you'll always be a Hawthorne champion, never a Geelong champion. That's from Sim. Uh, and this one from Bruno. I've never heard Isaac speak before, but what a cracking bloke that was. A great interview. Thank you very much, Bruno. Absolute pleasure, and thank you for your text and for your positive feedback as well. When we come back, the latest on uh, how things are going at Jared Berry's hearing. Final summations are being given uh, by both representatives of the AFL and the Brisbane Lions as well. And then when we come back, uh, we've seen the world debut of... Um, well, we've seen the debut of Hutchie's first-up attempt at songwriting. Uh, the single that he recorded, uh, Mike Brady did the recording, Hutchie did the writing. Uh, we'll play it for you on the other side of this uh, on the Maccas run. Score a one in four chance to win the Monopoly game at Maccas. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Download the My Maccas app and get in the game today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Well, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, today the world release occurred of Hutchie's first attempt at becoming a songwriter extraordinaire. He's employed the services of Mr. September himself, Mike Brady, and has performed uh, at the AFL Nation Awards this morning at the brekkie we had at the MCG. The song is called uh, SEN September, written by Craig Hutchison, performed by Mike Brady and the SEN Choir. For your listening pleasure, enjoy. It was you that start, tried to please the fans, is their Monday sadness. No punches pulled on Dwayne's midday madness. We've come a long way since the Swan Street days. So has Andy Marr and Andrew Gaze. We made us cry, hope we made you smile. And Margaret from Sundry makes it all worthwhile. Show. And don't forget the volcano. We've got the very best in Huddle and Waitley. Have you listened to Dwayne lately? Jared's a star, sports stays away. And SEN is here to stay. Square. 
There we go, SEN September, Hutchie's debut uh, as a songwriter, uh, performed by Mike Brady, Mr. September himself. And uh, by my count, uh, Dwayne actually got more mentions than anybody, so we now officially know who Hutchie's favourite person on the station is. Now, uh, well done to Hutchie, uh, well done to Mike Brady and the SEN choir as well. Uh, still final submissions being made uh, in the Jared Berry Tribunal case, so... Um, as they finished up uh, on behalf of the AFL, uh, Nick Payne has said that uh, Berry is not a pushing motion. He says Berry's submission should be disregarded and that the video evidence he is looking at, Oliver knows where his eyes are. He says the vision does not support the action, was instinctive, it's a raking motion. He said that the Dr. Amato's evidence, uh, very little weight should be given to that. He said uh, very little evidence should be given, very little weight should be given to Luke Hodge's evidence as well. Um, but Adrian Anderson, acting for Jared Berry, says he uh, has put it to you unequivocally tonight. He was not intending to make unreasonable or unnecessary contact to the eye region of his opponent. Um, and that, he says, is the most important piece of evidence. Jeff Gleeson now putting together the directions for the jury. And uh, we will go into the sporting capital after this with some footy tinder. Scott Sattler will uh, review the weekend's NRL finals action and preview this weekend. Uh, stick around. Sporting Capital up next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.